A warm welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. As another week of grace begins, how good it is to join together in praise of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have been brought through a week of grief and of goodness, a week of insecurity and of new understanding. And what can we say for this mysterious and generous gift of life and of faith but thank you. There may be social distancing, there may be physical distancing, but there is no spiritual distancing. This morning, as is the custom of this congregation on the first Sunday of each month, we shall join together to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. So I'd invite you now to pause and prepare some bread and a cup before you. The psalmist declares, and with the psalmist we declare, You, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. We continue to approach our God in words of praise and words of the psalmist. Psalm 102. Beatrice and I live in what used to be called the Swamp Ward along the inner harbour of Kingston. So we're able to walk along the shore and walk past the Davis Dry Dock, around the old Willen Mill, 
and these days greet the returning swans and geese, ducks and loons. But along the shore, at one moment, we pass a monument. It was raised recently to remember the over 1,000 men who died during the construction of the Rideau Canal to protect the Canadas from the Americans. The Irish navies, the Scottish stonemasons, and the like, who died of malaria. The monument is a cross in the style of a Celtic cross. These days are filled not with activity physical, but instead with great reflection, with refocusing, with reorganizing, with recommitting. And I thought a Celtic cross might offer us a wonderful opportunity with which to explore the gospel these weeks of May. It's a cross that speaks of Christ. It's a cross with engravings and etchings that, that speak of the weavings of life and of faith and even the biblical stories of salvation. There's a circle that defines the Celtic cross, that evokes the cosmos and the Holy One who is behind all and in all. And, and finally, this cross, it stands in the open. And we're reminded, looking at it, that this creation is a beloved work of God. We continue to ponder now the dimensions of Easter, dimensions for us here and now, through the words that we receive in the New Testament from the first Christians, from the first century, from the first letter of Peter. Val will read them for us. Let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and heed it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. First Peter chapters 1, verses 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if for now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen, and may Jesus bless to us this reading from God's holy word. In Christ alone, my heart is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, 
what depths of peace When fears are stilled, when striving cease Thy comfort her, my all in all Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone, who took on flesh Fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
I enjoyed an article in the Globe this past week, perhaps you saw it as well. Various artists were asked to share a work of art that provided them with comfort in these difficult days. And some of the responses I found amazing. One selected a bust by the French caricaturist Honoré Daumier. The way that Daumier is able to bring out with humor some of our personality as individuals. Another selected this painting by 20th century Giorgio Morandi, who spent his life painting the same jumble of cans, bottles, and bowls on a table all his life. But the serenity of this scene whispers that there might be a kind of heaven on earth that's to be found in the mundane of every day. Another artist contributed this sculpture by Martin Poirier, a ladder that doesn't quite touch the ground. It seems to speak about life being shaped both by challenge, but also by hope. When I thought about what gives me comfort as a Christian, what work of art I might suggest, what came to mind, prompted by those walks along the inner harbor, was a cross, and a particular cross, one of the great stone crosses of the Celts, those Celtic Christians and their crosses that remain to this day across Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. The gospel was brought to the Celts who were a wild and rough people at the time, by a young man named Patrick, who was kidnapped from his family farm, taken across the waters, and there shared his faith. And that Emerald Isle, that Emerald Isle became a witness, a witness to Christ. The gospel took root there wonderfully and deeply. So much so that when their own empire descended into collapse, and what we now call Europe was overwhelmed by the Dark Ages, ages dark politically, economically, and spiritually. It was the Celts who kept the Christian faith alive and beautiful. These Celtic Christians were well aware of the dark powers that play havoc with human life. They understood that there's more to this life than we can see or control or understand. They knew that lives of individuals and of peoples, often overwhelmed by, by forces beyond their control. They were an honest people. They admitted that in many ways, their lives were beyond, beyond their ken, and they cried out for help. And they believed that their cries were heard and were heard by Christ. They believed that Christ, with all his messengers and angels, with all the saints and the martyrs, this Christ was able to declare victory over life, not just in his own life, death, and resurrection, but for them also. Christ had defeated the powers of darkness. 
Christ sits enthroned on high. Christ is at work for peace and joy, even here and now. The Celts raised these crosses all along their lands. Between the 8th and the 10th centuries, hundreds were erected. And the one that comes to mind, that brings comfort to my heart these days, is known as St. Martin's Cross on the island of Iona, Scotland. This cross has stood in this place for over 1,200 years to date. It's carved from one piece of red granite stone. It is first and foremost, of course, a cross. But it's known as a high cross for good reason. One of the most remarkable characteristics is its height. The length of its central shaft is over four meters, 14 feet high. Its elongated length declares to me how far is earth from heaven. How distant is this day from eternity? How removed is humanity from the human one? But as part of this cross, I also hear the declaration that in Jesus Christ this great chasm has been bridged. This long journey has been traveled. Jesus has broken through heaven's gates to be God with us, to show the love of God for humanity even unto death, for us and our salvation. And I hear the declaration of this cross continue, that this highway was journeyed yet again, pioneering a return path also, when God emptied the tomb and vindicated Jesus and his way in this world and raised him from earth and returned him to glory. This is a cross. It is an empty cross. It is a well-traveled cross. Thanks be to God. This side of Easter, we focus on the upward movement of the cross, the upward movement of the gospel, known not only in the resurrection of Jesus, but of all who follow him. It's a bridge across which he has carried many, whether their earthly days were long or short their lives modest or acclaimed, they who lived in trust of the Holy One knew their trust not in vain. And as I follow the lines of that high shaft from ground up, I realize that we are already on that way, on that journey. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Even today, we have been born anew. We have a living hope. We have a hope of life. We have a life in hope of Jesus Christ. And so from the Celtic prayers. Christ behind and before me, Christ beneath and above me, Christ with me and in me, Christ around and about me, Christ on my left and my right, Christ when I rise in the morning, Christ when I lie down at night, 
Christ in each heart that thinks of me, Christ in each mouth that speaks of me, Christ in each eye that sees me, Christ in each ear that hears me. One day, a teacher in the congregation that I first served after ordination in Beaconsfield on the island of Montreal shared with me something bittersweet. Halfway through a school year, she wrote down on one single piece of paper the names of every student in her class, and in between each name left some lines blank. She made copies of this sheet and passed a copy to each student in the class. She asked each student to think about all the other students in her class. They had come to know them, of course, by this time, halfway through the year, quite well, for better or for worse. And she said, under the spaces accompanying each student's name, write something that you appreciate about that student. Write something you appreciate about each student. Well, when one of the students died tragically some years later, she found out that the crumpled piece of paper found in his wallet was the sheet from that day in that class. He kept it all those years. An individual treasuring the affirmation of that exercise. For us as Christians, the cross is our affirmation. It is our comfort in these days. Whatever our age, our inclination, our education, our income, or accomplishment, each of us experiences insecurity, uncertainty, and anxiety. Our days rarely unfold as we expect or plan. There are many things that puzzle, frighten, and threaten us. This is true for all of us, and yes, this is true for us as Christians also. Are there not times when we experience an absence of God? When the world shouts out that there is no God, and we feel that deeply? When we feel that we've been abandoned, that our faith is empty? Have we not felt weak and withdrawn? Have not our lives at times become small in soul and in service? It's the cross that brings us back to the death and resurrection of Jesus and to the assurance that we know in Jesus that God is at work beyond our feeling and understanding. God is at work through all our experience. The meaningless of suffering, the intractability of violence, the persuasiveness of sin, the weakness of the church, the reality of illness, the finality of death, yes, these are real, but they are not the ultimate realities of our lives or of our world. We look to the cross. We follow its lines from the ground to the sky. And we trust God. We trust God's good purposes, God's sovereign will. We know ourselves embraced and held. And we walk the way of life with calmness, with compassion, with confidence to the glory of God for the good of others. It is this cross that brings me comfort these days. This cross is a work of art 
as a piece of heritage, but most of all as the work of God. And it's a comfort that I know most fully in Holy Communion. Here, when we take the bread and the cup, we look to our risen Lord, and we're lifted up for a moment into the presence of the Holy One. And yes, there we see the face-to-face. We see that countenance, and it is strong and it is forgiving. And we know that covenant that embraces all and even unto eternity. So thanks be to God. Let us pray. From the foot of the cross I look up to thee, O Jesus, Lord, reach down to me. For I stand in the faith of my God today. Put love in my heart and hope always. Amen.
And so we come to this time of sacrament. In the legions of Rome, a sacrament was the oath that a soldier made to his commanding officer, an oath of loyalty. In the Christian church, this term was taken up, but its flow was radically reversed. A sacrament we now understand to be an oath from the Holy One to us, a covenant that the Holy One makes with humanity in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In this sacrament, we believe we are joined together by Holy Spirit to become the living body of the living Lord. So I invite you now to approach this, the Lord's table, repeating the words that bind us together as Christians, the Apostles' Creed, and then singing, Here, O my Lord, I see thee face to face. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
And so I say to all who truly and earnestly repent of their sin, who are in love and charity with their neighbors, to all who intend to lead a Christian life walking in the commandments of the Holy God, I say now, come. Draw near with reverence, with faith, and with thanksgiving, and take this supper of our Lord to your comfort. Come to this holy table not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but rather that you sincerely love the Lord a little and yearn to love him more. Come not because you are strong, not because you have any right to claim heaven's rewards, but rather because in frailty and in sin you stand in need of heaven's help. Come not to express an opinion, but come to seek and know a presence. This supper of our Lord is now spread before us, and I say lift up your minds and your hearts above all selfish fears and cares. And let this bread and this cup be unto you the outward and visible symbols of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Let us continue in prayer. Let us pray. Lord our God, we lift up to you our hearts now in glad thanksgiving. We join our voices with your people of every generation and nation, and together we cry, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. We thank you, Lord God, that you hold this world in your hands from beginning to end, and that you know each of us by name. You have created us and called us into this life. You have given us breath and blood, thoughts of mind and passions of heart, all that we might be made one with you and be your people here on earth. In many and various ways you spoke to our parents of old, by prophets, priests, and kings. But in these last days we acknowledge you've spoken to us by a son, and he is now our only prophet, priest, and king. We give you thanks now for this living remembrance set before us of how in him our flesh was assumed and broken, but also raised, transfigured, and healed. And here we proclaim with all your people, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And we pray now, O God, for Holy Spirit. We pray that this bread which we break may be our communion in the body of Christ, and this cup we now bless may be our communion in the blood of Christ. We pray for Holy Spirit, not only upon this bread and cup, but upon us, that we might become your people, that the risen Lord might live in us and that we might live in him, that here at this table we might be reconciled to you and to each other, that here barriers might be broken down between young and old, woman and man, wealthy and poor. And we pray for Holy Spirit, O God, not only upon us, but upon all. We pray that this earth so dear to us might be given a new face, that swords, even now raised, might be beaten into plows, that wars be banished, 
that gardens be planted and old wastelands renewed, and that our broken cities might be rebuilt by hands like ours under the roof that is Christ. We pray that your kingdom come. O God, with these our prayers, we present ourselves living sacrifices dedicated for your service. We do so in the name of Jesus Christ, and we do so together, joining in the prayer he taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so we remember. We remember how, on the night in which he was betrayed, the night before he died for us, our Lord took bread. And after giving thanks to his Father above, he broke it. And he passed it to his disciples and he said, Take this and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And how in like manner he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks to his Father above, and again, he passed it to his friends. And he said, take this and drink of this, all of you, for the forgiveness of sin. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that as oft as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death till he come again. In other words, our Lord lives, and in him we live. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The bread of heaven. And the cup of salvation. Let us pray. Lord God, long have you sought us, mercifully have you redeemed us. 
what words are left for us but thank you. We now lift up our very selves and dedicate ourselves as a continual thank offering to you. We do so in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace this day and your every day. Amen.